honor you today, Lord, and we thank you for the wonderful goodness of the Savior. And as we prepare today to hear the word of God, we want to thank you for the devotion. We thank you for your grace and your glory. Now give us ears. Help us to be a people that's making preparation, Lord, to leave here, that we will be attuned to that which is right, that we are hearing right teaching, willing to obey, and that, Lord, we won't go after the false teachers. Help us, God, to have guidance and wisdom from your word. And we thank you right now and give you glory. Now, for those families that, are, that have experienced the loss of loved ones, where even anniversaries have come for many, and brings back a flood of emotions, we pray for them right now. We honor you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy. We left off with verse 7 last time, and that's where we will begin. So I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let me say this as I go on, as I jump right into this word. I've been telling you that God is good and that he's going to continue to do things and work things out regarding this, this sewer lateral problem that we have, right? I've been telling you that. And I gave you information last week of how awesome God is. Now, I, said, I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know how he was going to work it out. But I just said, stay tuned. God's going to do something because it was a problem. We didn't know how we were going to fully take care of it. But the Lord brought it to our attention. I said, just wait and see what God does. So last week we mentioned that the person that's doing the work, and they gave us the final bid, says he would take $10,000 off the bill. Look at God. Then I told you, just, I don't know what else the Lord's going to do, but stay tuned. I got an email just last Monday. Maybe I'll share who it is later. Saying, we want to support and give help to our sister church. We want to give $5,000 to help with the project. Just last Sunday, I heard, Monday got an email. Now, who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? A project that the first bid came in at $20,000. The next one, ten. The next one, $17,875. Lord, how are we going to pay for this? <laughs> Do you not know that God knows and loves you? He knows everything and loves you. And he just likes showing himself. And so we sit there waiting. God, what are you going to do? The Lord has done something tremendous. I tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I just, it, 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 this is, has increased my faith. It really, really has. When a person tells you, you've got to have that in sewer lateral line, that whole pipe, you need to have it replaced. It's too damaged. Then you've got to replace the line coming from the module all the way to the building. Now you've got to also expand and make the pipes that's there, bring them up to cold. Lord, here we go, Lord, this is what we have. Do what you do best, God. <laughs> Thank God that we serve a God who has all the resources. I tell you this, stay tuned. <laughs> Ooh. Chapter 1 of Timothy. 1 Timothy 1, beginning at verse number 7. And this is how it reads. Desiring to be teachers of the law, Without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it 
lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Thank you, Sister Michelle, for doing the projector. We again... Have as our title, it may change next week, maybe not, don't know, depends what the Lord gives me as a title, but we have as our title, your task is to combat falsehood, part three. Your task, your ultimate responsibility and task is to combat falsehood. Well, let me ask you a question. It wasn't even something I was going to even say, but let me just throw this out. What do you do when you know something is a lie or someone is lying to you? What, what do you do when something is being perpetrated and you know it's a falsehood? This matter is very, very dangerous in the church when falsehood has been allowed to run rampant without any correction. It really takes a man or a woman of integrity... To be able and willing to stand for truth when people would rather hear a lie because it fits in with the narrative of where they want to go. We are constantly bombarded today with that which is false, but because it fits the narrative of what the world wants, people say yes and they clap and they embrace the falsehood because it's what they want to hear. But let me tell you this, that which is false, that which is a lie, will eventually ruin your life. Many of you can look back on your experiences and you can say, I am glad when you were way down the road that I didn't go that way. I'm glad that when everybody else was doing that, I decided not to do it. You can look back in retrospect and you can say, I am glad. But sometimes when you've gone that way, then you regret that I wish I had not gone that way. You see, it can be a very good thing when you've gone that way and you can stop and you can pause and you can say, I need to make a turn here. But it's a sad thing when people continue to go down the wrong way and then encourage you to and get upset when you don't. Paul told Timothy, you stay right there in Ephesus. And you command those individuals 
to no longer teach that which is false. You, Timothy, put a stop to it. If your friends are telling you lies, you know one thing that will bring it to a quick stop is when you say, well, I don't agree. They will call, they will pause the next time they bring something to you because they're going to remember what you said. You want to stop a false rumor? Say, I don't want to hear it. If it's false, and then if it's real, if it's true, what are you doing to protect this situation? You may need to do something about that. How can I help? We need to be in the business of helping people when there are problems or struggles. We need to be able in a place to where we say, how can I help? But when a person is persistent and insisting on doing that which is wrong, we need to address it. In chapter 1, verse 7, where we left off, desiring to be teachers of the law, these false teachers he's referring to, without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. There are some people that are so bold in their statement and they're just boldly wrong. You can't tell them anything. There is a danger for new Christians to believe that their excitement of being recently born again translates into being able to become a teacher. They say, oh, I'm so excited, I want to teach. And they just got saved that month. It becomes a bigger problem when they say in the second month, I want to be pastor. There's a problem. I want to go around the world and just give it a little bit of time And they will be just like the crowd that goes to the gym at the beginning of the year. It used to be that you could get the whole month of January in when you said, I'm going to go to the gym. Now, today, about the 10th of the month, people are already dropping off. There are those who are living in sin and talk as if they know God. They give you their philosophy on God and the church, but there is no application of holiness in their daily lives. Now we have those desiring to be teachers. Now that can be a good thing. It can be a very positive thing. But if your teaching is in the direct is in direct opposition to the word of God, it is it is diametrically opposed to that which is right, then you don't have understanding. Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom and understanding. The fear of the Lord. And if a person does not fear the Lord, they're starting off on the wrong foot. Solomon, the wisest person himself, thought it important to pursue knowledge, to pursue wisdom. He thought it, he thought it good to sit down and to get learning and understanding from his father, from his mother, those that helped raise him, whoever that person is. You need to listen. There are times today when there are young people who won't listen to anybody, can't tell them anything because they know it all. Every young person in every generation says the same thing. That used to be back then when y'all was growing up. And then your kids come along and say that to you. And that used to be back there when you were growing up. And then they'll have kids, and their kids will be telling them the same thing. Let me tell you this. Truth is truth. A lie is a lie. I don't care how you cover it. These individuals that were teaching falsehood 
had infiltrated the church. And they were peddling their lie to such a degree that Paul said, if we don't put a stop to this, there's going to be a major problem and breach in the church. What in the world do these teachers have to say that is so important that they abandon truth or never even had truth? There are some people that you can't say anything to because they think they know. There's some things I feel about that with some things. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Come think, of, no, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. Don't, don't go that way. Why? Why? I'm going that way. Come back around the corner. I should have listened. There's a big dog around that corner. Sometimes when I try to, you try to tell somebody, that there's, there's danger. And they say, I don't care. I ain't saying nothing else. I'm just going to watch. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I thought. Got the clothes torn off. <laughs> you can be so confident and passionate about what you are saying, and yet it can be so wrong. One of the dangers about a belief that you've held for so long is that you don't have room or make room for that which may be true. Or different. There have been some things that I just thought over the years about some things was true because I've heard it all my life. But then when it was said, well, where did that information come from? I said, huh, I hadn't investigated that. I just heard it. And then it gets your mind to thinking, let me do some investigation and come to find out that there were certain things that weren't correct. Not that it was so wrong and so so bad to where it caused a major problem, but it had to change what I was thinking. Some people say, I don't want the truth. I don't want to be confused. You need to make room for the truth. So Paul saying that these teachers, desiring to be teachers of the law. Now there's differences of opinion in regards to what it is that he is referring to. Is it the law of Moses? Some say yes. Is it in regards to all of the Old Testament or the scriptures in print? Some of the commentators believe that it was also dealing with general law. So there's not full agreement in regards to the law. But we do know that it is in reference to the law of Moses. We know that is included. But does it expand beyond there? So these leaders, wanting and desiring to be teachers of the law, yet Paul, but Paul says, yet without understanding either what they are saying or the things to which they so confidently say. Have you ever been in a situation to where you swore up and down that it was right? You was ready to have a fight with somebody because you said, I know it's right. I know, I know I'm right. And come to find out that you were wrong. There you go, not one apology. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> and then you start thinking, well, did, 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 I, did I get that right? Did I get that wrong? But these leaders were such to where they didn't even care. They were at a, at a situation to where they were going down this road and they were just causing major destruction and chaos. And asserting that they knew and going off in a different direction and didn't even care. Verse number eight. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Nomos means law. There is a play on word when Paul speaks of law and then lawlessness or lawfully. He's playing on words. According to the uh, American, the New American commentary, uh, Commentary, There are three outlines or uses of the law that's referred to. 
three outlines or ways that they believe that the law is referred to. One, it deals with what the Bible speaks about in regards to that which is a locked door. They say the law can be used as a locked door, which what? It means that it wants to keep one from trespassing on the wrong territory. Reference verse would be Romans chapter 7, verse 7, Psalm 19, 13. The, the law. The second thing is that the law resembles a mirror to reveal sin and lead one to Christ. This is another way that the law works. One as a door to keep you from trespassing. The next as a mirror that helps sin to be revealed in your life and to lead you to Christ. That would be Romans chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 24. And then the third, the law serves as a rule and a guide to point out the works that please God. It serves as a way to point out that which pleases God. And that would be Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Now in verse 8, it is only in verse 8 the saying, we know. Now we know, he says, we know. In the pastoral letters, now Paul uses it at times in Romans, we know, but it is only used here and in Titus. When it is used in other writings of Paul, we know, such as in Romans chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 3, and chapter 6, it is a matter of stating that which has been accepted by the Christians. When Paul says, we know, it is a way of saying, this is what Christians, or what we believe to be true. We know that this, and Paul goes on to state what it is. We know God's law is good, but evidently, it was not good enough for those false teachers. What were they teaching? Paul gives some examples, but he, does, we does, he doesn't give a lot of examples in regards to the issue. But some of the things that they, he brings up, we know that they must have been addressing those particular matters. One has to use the word, we use the word of God as it was intended to be used. You cannot use God's word to suit what you wanted to say. You're in an argument or a discussion with a person, and you're going to quote a passage, and you're going to twist it to make it say what you wanted to say. I've heard people say at times, money is the root of all evil. It does not say that. Lord, have mercy. Since it is, I might as well tell the person, oh, no, the root or the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's to directly translate it. says, some Bible, King James says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And then some other translations, the love of money is the root of all kinds. In other words, the love of money can cause you to do some very strange and crazy things. And so, therefore, it can lead you into different areas and directions that you really would not have gone but the love, the pursuit. How in the world could you get gas in your car if money was evil? God made it. Oh, the air is bad. The air is bad. God made the air. You need it to be able to breathe. Oh, God, this, this world, it is crazy. Yeah, people are going crazy, but God made a good world. It was sin that changed what happened. What were these leaders teaching? They were teaching principles and ideas that contradicted what God's word said. They were bringing their own philosophy. 
They were bringing their own ideas and teachings that were in direct opposition to the word of God. And here's young Timothy told to confront it. Have you ever been scared of something you were told and you just was like, I don't think I can do it. I am just too scared. I don't know what's going to happen. The people may say something. Something might happen. I just can't do it. Or did you stop and say, Lord, I need wisdom right now. There's something I've got to deal with, and I need wisdom and how to deal with it. There's a certain way to approach certain things, and there's a wrong way to approach I can imagine that as Paul is talking to Timothy in this personal letter is that there was this matter where Timothy needed to be bold because Timothy had some fears. He was timid when it came to certain things. And Paul has to encourage him that he has the authority from God through him, Paul, by the laying of by the laying on of the hands of the elders, by what he had been taught by his mother and his grandmother, there is no mention of his father, and it is believed that his father possibly was not even saved. His father is not mentioned as having a spiritual influence in his life, but his grandmother and mother is. And so Paul draws upon that past and says, Timothy, there's something that's already in you that you need to put forward. You need to stand. And give direction and stop it. Make a stop to that which is happening. Paul uses the word, I command you. I am an apostle, rather, by the command of the Almighty God. Verses 9 and 10. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. Now, verse 9 begins with with four pairs, uh, four adjectives, he pairs them, and then is followed in verses 9 and 10 with six individual pairs or six individual matters. So verses 9 and 10, we have four pairs that he gives. He says, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, that's a pair. For the ungodly and sinners, second pair. For the unholy and profane, three. Now some say it's only three. Then the fourth, for those who strike their fathers and mothers. And then he gives individual. For murderers, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers. This list here is what commentators have said. And they have said it actually is a reflection of the Ten Commandments. The pairing compares to the Decalogue. The Decalogue is just another name for the Ten Commandments. Taken from a, the handbook um, it, it, that I, I was reading, one of the things that just to give you a note, murder the fathers and mothers would be honor your father and your mother, the commandment in the Old Testament. Manslayers would be another way of saying you shall what? Not kill. Immoral person, and where we get the word sodomite, you shall not commit adultery, but sodomites deals with homosexuality. Kidnappers, you shall not steal. You see, back in the day, there were those who were being kidnapped and then sold into slavery. And then liars and, perp- and, pers- and perjurers, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor 
and then whatever else you shall not covenant. In this matter that Paul uh, brings up, the list is not meant to be, ex- you know, completely full. It is not a, a list that is complete. But the tie-in is that these individuals say they want to be teachers of the law, and they are the very ones that are violating the law. They are not following as we look back at chapter 5 that their whole purpose in teaching should be done with the goal of love in mind, making sure that one's heart was pure, one's mind, right, that one's heart, one's mind, and that one's spiritual life. When we think about the faith of a person, they have to have sincere faith. Heart, your conscience, and sincere heart. Enslavers, enslavers. It is something when a person feels that when they don't like a person or want something for themselves, that they have the ability to enslave them. Here's something that really just bugs me. I know that we have to obey and supposed to obey the laws of the land if they are not in direct opposition to God's word. And that's not just choosing laws that you want to disobey. I'm not talking about that. That government and people think that they should be able to control your life. I was once a kid and I came underneath the rule of my parents. But when I became an adult, I couldn't wait to be 18. Because what? I felt I would then be able to do what I wanted to do. But do you not know that people still want to place a burden on you and enslave you? You see, your parents' job was to train you and to help you so that one day you could live on your own, prepare you for the world so that you could live. When people enslave one another and then they tell you what you can't have, and I'm not talking about, you know, we have to live by some laws, but they should be able to control you. You can't eat certain foods. We're going to take diet drinks away or sugary drinks. We're going to say you can't have that piece of candy. That's not their job. God gave freedom to individuals. And it bugs me at times when I see government doing these things. Why? When we look at Romans, yes, the Bible talks about in 13, we are to, and we are to obey the laws of the land. But do you not know that the laws, when the laws were first put into practice here in the United States, it was to ensure that we had the freedoms that God intended us to have. It was to reaffirm that you have been made in God's image. And that you were free to worship any God that you wanted, but that your, your God-given rights would not be taken. And so today they come up with all types of laws that restrict. It is not, many of them, it's not of God. And so when we look at the matter of confining, we have to now look at what were these teachers doing. They were confining, and they were restricting, and they were lying, and they were taking that which God had meant for individuals, and they were taking it away from them. And then they were placing in their place that which was lies and falsehood that actually would bind and constrict. God's laws are free. And what Timothy has to do, he has to, re, he has to instill once again the freedom that God had intended for people to have. And when you embrace a lie, it is to take away the freedom and the truth that God intended for you to have. So when we look at these, these things in the, the list that Paul mentions here, these are the things that were being taught evidently or practiced. These are the things that Timothy is going to have to come up against. Verse 11, 
in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. It was Paul that had been entrusted with this glorious gospel, which means this glorious good news. Even though we'll see next time why Paul felt he was unworthy to be the one to carry this good news because of what he did. He embraced what God had given him. And he made sure that he was faithful to it. As we have been going through these first 11 verses, we can understand and see the intensity and the importance of Paul making sure that Timothy gets it right. He has to get it right. Why? Because the church is at risk. The church can be hurt. The church can be damaged. One's faith. You see, everyone was not in the same place spiritually. There may have been new Christians in. There may have been ones that had been there for a while. But the problem is that teaching that is false tends to do what? It tends to break up and to destroy the truth of what God's word says and what it's meant to do. How many of you right now have been embracing a lie when God has been saying that your, my word is truth and you need to embrace that? How many of you right now are dealing with a situation when you need to be sure that when someone is trying to say, don't you agree with me, and you know it's wrong, how many of you have been saying, no, I'm going to stand for truth? How many of you have taken God's word, that's the thing that has even at times been difficult to understand, and rather than tossing it to the side, you said, no, I'm going to look further into this matter, what God says. Oh, no, this don't fit into what I believe, so therefore I'm going to toss it aside because I want to do what I want to do, so therefore, uh uh-uh. Timothy has a tremendous task before him. Paul has encouraged him and said, stay there and do it. There's somebody that's following you right now. There's someone that's following you, following you. What are you giving them? Are you only giving them your opinion? Are you giving them what God's word says? Are you agreeing with that which the Bible says is absolutely wrong and which the Bible lists as that which is what the false teachers were saying? Or are you saying, I'm going to be like Timothy. I'm going to give them what God's word says. I'll tell you this. You may not be liked by someone. They might even get upset. They may not even be your friend anymore. But you have a responsibility to stand for that which is right. And I'll conclude with this. Paul must have had some tremendous confidence in Timothy to leave and give him a task that was this important. He had to have some confidence in Timothy to say, I know you can do this. Because this would make anyone fearful. And the attacks that would come. Are you willing to stand alone for the Lord and with him and everybody else on the outside maybe throwing darts at you? To say, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to stand for righteousness. Please bow your head. Tonight, today rather, God, we are thankful to you for taking a fearful and timid Timothy and entrusting him to handle such an important matter. You have given us the opportunity and the privilege to take your word, to fear God, and allow your word to be that upon which we stand. When those that would want to bring falsehood, those that would rather bring their ideas that are not bathed in truth, 
may we take a stand against it. Sometimes it may just be, I can't continue this conversation with you in this way. Maybe it's just saying, I'll see you later. Maybe then for some, it may be, that's not right. This is what truth is. So we pray today that we'll be willing to take a stand, remembering that the goal is love with a pure heart, a good conscience, and with sincere faith. We honor you today in this place. We pray that, God, this week you will provide us with challenges where we have to stand for truth and that you will empower us and give us wisdom now to be able to stand. We honor your name today and we glory in you and we magnify you. As we leave this place today, would you be with us and that you will prepare our hearts and our minds for the battle that's ahead. This week, Lord, we have now been prepared for the battle that we have to stand for truth. Now the enemy is going to be throwing things starting when this prayer ends with amen. Help people to remember that God, if we blow it, just, oh, I remember what was said. i got to get this part right. It's coming, Lord, and so this week, we pray that you will help us and that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction and give us what we need to be successful. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.